Hello and welcome to the Life Teacher Podcast. My name is Hector Suko and here with me today is Steve Appel. Steve is the founder and CEO of mancavepodcasting.com. He has been involved in California workers' compensation and employment law for over 20 years. He has an IEA and a WCCP designation from the Insurance Education Association and his self-insured license from the state of California. And today we're going to be talking about atheism. So please help me welcome Steve to the podcast. Hello, Steve. Hello. And just a a correction. Uh, what you read was correct for the time, but now it's it's 30 years in California workers' compensation, employment, and labor law. But at the time it was done, that was correct. Excellent. Thank you, Steve. And thank you for coming on to my podcast. And the first question for you, Steve, is the same as all for all my guests. Tell us, who is Steve Appel? Well, I'm uh, born and raised in Southern California, And I've been in California workers' compensation for uh, employment and labor law for over 30 years. And about five years ago or so, my partner encouraged us to spend a couple thousand bucks a month for a third-party marketing and advertising company. And I lobbied against it, but since uh, my partner really wanted to do it, I said, okay, so we did it for six months and we didn't lose money, but we really didn't make as much as I thought the investment was worth. So I, because I've got a a degree in uh, speech communications and broadcasting, but my college is many decades ago, I said, you know what, I can do a podcast. And again, this was five years ago before podcast was a, a common home word. I said, I can do a podcast for 25 cents on the dollar and probably get the same results. So I started doing a podcast called Work Comp Matters, and we started it once a week. And then we ramped it up to twice a week. And then we ramped it up to three times a week. And then about two years ago, COVID-19 hit. And because all of the prior podcasts were done brick and mortar at the sound studio, we decided to do it by Zoom. And we ramped it up to five days a week. And then I started to not only get interest, but had the idea rather than just doing a podcast, Work Comp Matters, to promote, market, and advertise the law firm that maybe I would start a podcasting network. Uh, So I obtained uh, the landing site, uh, the website of mancavepodcasting.com and started getting other on-the-air personalities involved, uh, such as Monica Rossman with the Steve and Monica Show, No Holds Barred. My brother, Jeff Appel, has got 30 years of experience in education and mental health, live well, Ginger Shades, a risque soiree, Coach Less, Less is More, and we've got some surprises starting. So that's me, 30 years of experience in California employment and labor law, five years of experience with over 600 podcasts in the tank. And by the way, all of those 600 podcasts are advertiser supported. They're completely free, no obligation 
24-7. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. And so let's go ahead and start our conversation with the basics. Tell us, what is atheism? It's someone who doesn't believe in God. That's simple, huh? Uh, I do my best to keep things very simple. It frustrates me when I hear a lot of people either that I deal with or that are on Clubhouse who, in my opinion, attempt to appear to be smarter than they are by using complex words. Uh, I've always prided myself on being able to speak to a child, a teenager, or an adult by, with all due respect, communicating at their level. Why speak for five minutes and use college level words when you can speak for one minute and use a sixth grade education? And by the way, most newspapers, if people still read newspapers today, they are generally written in a fifth or sixth grade education. So I, I believe in keeping things simple. We refer to that as the KISS method. Keep it simple, babe. <laughs> and, but some of the topics that we will be discussing are slightly heavy, but if you wanna keep it simple, let's go, let's do oh, it. Oh, trust me, if necessary, I will get complex. Okay, so let's, let's move on to what is atheism? someone that doesn't believe in God or yeah, the belief that God does not exist. Now, the next topic is should humans try to answer the big questions, right? Why do we exist? What is the meaning of life? How would an atheist answer? Why do we exist? Well, I can't answer for all atheists. I mean, let's get real over 90% of the population believes in God. So me and other atheists were outnumbered nine to one. Um, but that's understandable. Uh, so yeah, and and the context of these questions is for you only, Steve. You are not representing all atheists. Um, I have you on because you're. I I saw you on Clubhouse and you were answering uh, people's questions, and I wanted to dig in a little bit more. And so here you are. So I'm asking you. Um, you know, do you ever ask yourself, why do I exist? And where does your belief in there is no God come into play? Well, why I exist is simple. I exist to help and support my family whenever possible. I exist to practice the golden rule, and that is to treat others like I would want them to treat me. That is how I look at myself in the mirror and how I'm able to sleep peacefully and uh, wake up in the morning. Uh, I practice the golden rule. What was the second half of the question, please? The meaning of life. So there's well, that's, two... the mean, that's the meaning of life. What was the other part of the question? Um, why do I exist? Same answer. Right. They're almost two sides of the same coin. And it kind of just is an overarching purpose question, which I do want to get into later. And so I guess the next big question is what happens to us when we die? You know, again, nine to one, I get that you're outnumbered, but I did want to have you on so that people can hear this different perspective. 
what do you think happens to to people or what do you think is going to happen to you when you pass on? Oh, I, I, I know what's going to uh, happen to me. Uh, my body's going to be cremated. My ashes are going to be spread at sea uh, because really uh, I don't like the idea of being put in a pine box, being put six feet uh, down and being eaten by worms. Uh, that does not uh, uh, that does not appeal to me. And I don't think anybody can disagree that with the physical body, if you are put into a pine box and or if you are buried six feet under, that eventually your body is going to be eaten by worms and maggots. Um, unless, of course, uh, you are uh, preserved uh, like the Egyptians did to mummies 5,000 years ago. Uh, then, of course, you'll have some skin left and you're going to look really disgusting. So that's what's going to happen to me when I die. And I think everybody would agree with the physical body. That's what's going to happen to them. The question always arises, what's going to happen with your spirit or your soul when you die or just before it? Are you going to see a white shining light? Is your entire life going to pass by? And is your soul going to rise up? And then you're going to be looking down on yourself dying and then you're going to go out into the atmosphere and either up to heaven where you're going to see yourself and everybody uh, for a, an infinite period of time. Or part two, what I hear, you are going to go into a baby that was just born. Uh, I don't believe either of those two scenarios. Uh, I believe that once the physical body dies, the spirit and the soul die with it. Now, I will say this. If incarnation, or pardon me, reincarnation, if reincarnation is a fact, which of course it's not, if it's true, which we don't know, then if, I'm, if Steve Appel is reincarnated, I'm not going to remember Steve Appel and hopefully I can end up being a, a productive member of society in my next life. And, and hopefully, uh, if Steve Appel was a previous incarnation of something, I didn't do anything bad, evil, or stupid. Do you believe in a physical soul? No, I don't think anybody does. I always thought that a soul was metaphysical. It, it was... Um, it was non-corporeal, right? Corporeal, so, veins, arteries, blood, a soul is not physical. I, I'm not aware that anybody believes a soul is physical. This is the first time I'm hearing of it. I thought it was always something physical in our bodies or most likely in our brains that is staying with our physical body in physical form. And when we pass on, it just again, like what you said, floats into wherever its next destination is. Well, I can tell you this for 100% certainty. I've been in California workers' compensation, employment, labor law for 30 years. I've reviewed hundreds, if not thousands of MRIs, CAT scans, x-rays. I've never seen on one of those medical diagnostic studies uh, identified as a body part soul. I know I'm oh, and be... by the way, also, also, 
I've in 30 years, I've never had a doctor go to a diagnostic facility and say, please do an MRI or a CAT scan or an X-ray of this patient's soul. I've never seen it once before. No, of course not, Steve. Don't you know that it's it's hidden. It's it's beyond our eyes. Remember, it's it's beyond the the knowledge of of human brains. Don't you understand that? So, uh, a soul. So, just so I understand what you're saying, a soul is hidden, arguably invisible, and not only cannot be seen with the eye or a microscope or any type of medical device, but will never be seen. It's hidden and invisible forever. Just like, just like God himself, Steve, of course. I mean, it gets to the point where, yeah, everybody has to has a set of those beliefs. But I do want to ask my, my people of God, so you will, hey, is the soul metaphysical or is it physical? And it, I'll be interested to, to hear their answer. Um, May I give you my answer to what you just said? I, I note that you said everybody has those beliefs, and I agree with you. Uh, but as I like to say, and this is not meant to be demeaning, and if you heard my Ask the Atheist show, which is on Clubhouse every Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. at a minimum, uh, I and again, no disrespect, there are a lot of people that believe in Santa Claus. It's true. It's true. I only I only speak the truth. I will never lie to you or your listeners. No, of course not, Steve. Um, so let's move on. Uh, you have two distinct people in the particular religion of Christianity. You have Jesus of Nazareth and you have Christ the Messiah. Now, as an atheist, do you believe or do you accept the fact that Jesus of Nazareth was a physical man and that he lived on earth? Good question. And, and I, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Now, firstly, I don't claim to be an expert in religion, and I'm not. I don't claim to be an expert in atheism, and I'm not. I claim to be an expert in California workers' compensation and employment law, and I'm becoming an expert in podcasting. So we'll get that right off the bat. That's number one. Uh, number two, my personal belief. I believe that the corporeal, okay, the, the blood, the skin, the bones of Jesus Christ did walk the earth, give or take about 2000 years ago. Um, I do not believe that he died and then rose up. That is my personal belief. You are not alone because you know who joins you with that uh, idea is Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson himself did not believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. And he literally took the Bible and wrote his own and took out everything that was divine in Jesus's life out. And he had that, that Bible in his now famous library. So you are not alone in thinking that, but you would also agree that from the teachings of, of Jesus when he was alive, that we, the world needs to be compassionate, then we need to be loving towards each other, et cetera. 
Oh, I only wish we practiced all of uh, Jesus's teachings today. It's a shame that we don't. Uh, I agree with many, if not all things that Jesus Christ stood for. And among, I believe, uh, his most sacred was that we should all love and appreciate each other. And unfortunately, that's not only not being done today, but I think it's going in the opposite directions. I love all of Jesus's teachings. So it is to say that an atheist can follow Jesus's teachings. I never said I didn't. I just said I don't believe in God. And the divinity of Jesus Christ. Well, once again, if you're referring to divin, when you say divinity, if you mean after he died, he rose up. No, I don't believe. That. Right. I mean, those are the two figures that that I I separate. I separate Jesus of Nazareth, the physical person, and Christ the Messiah, the person or the entity that was written about sixty years later, and was labeled as the Messiah who died for everybody sins and now sits at the right hand of God. That's the divinity. That's Christ the Messiah. I, 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 I believe in Jesus Christ from the time he was born through the time he died. Okay. Understood. Got it. If we born, if we're born and then we die, what does it all, and I, and it goes back to the meaning of life, but you ask yourself again, what does it all mean? And then it goes back to what is life's purpose? It, it, should we conflate or we should we continue to always ask ourselves that question? What am I doing here? Uh, what is my life's purpose? Um, because I think that a lot of people, when they ask themselves that, oh, God put me here for a reason. And again, nine out of 10, you're right. Um, but how often should we take a step back and say, well, why am I truly here? Well, I think that if you spend a lot of time, a regular amount of time asking yourself that question, you've got too much time on your hands. Uh, I know why I'm here. I said it earlier. I am here to support and help my family and to treat others uh, like I want to be treated. Uh, there was a time when I had the same thoughts, but fortunately I was able to work them out for myself. I'm here uh, to help others, both in a business point of view. That's what I do. Yeah, I get paid for it, but you know what? I'm very successful in my 30 year career. I'm also here to help my family and my friends as long as it does not take away from me helping myself. Now, if I were to get into some type of real thought-provoking issue, well, I was probably here before and I'm going to be reincarnated later. And what does it all mean and what does it all stand for? Uh, in the clubhouse vernacular, you could go down that rabbit hole and stay in that rabbit hole forever. I've answered that question a long time ago for myself. And therefore, no, 
I, I don't plan to ever ask myself that question again because I know the answer which works best for me. Now, you do probably get some people, and, and probably they think this in the back of their minds, probably they will never say this out loud, but they'll probably say, yes, I love my family. Yes, God probably put me on this earth for X, Y, Z reason because of my family, my friends, my, my coworkers or whatever. And then they think, but there has to be something more. If they're saying to themselves, consciously or subconsciously, yes, but there should be something more. Maybe it's to travel the world. I don't know. Do you think that they need to do more self-reflection? I think they have too much time on their hands. Um, I got it. I got it. Okay. That's, that's good. If they have too much time on their hands, I, I, from, from my perspective, I'll go ahead and put my two cents in here. If you're thinking to yourself, you know, why am I here? Why am I here? Yes. I love my family, but why am I here? There's something more. I think that, that you need to do a little bit more of self-reflection and see what it is that you're trying to look for. I don't think that they're asking the right questions. And if you're not asking the right question, you'll be hard pressed to find the right answers. You know, I, I never studied the following statistics, but I have both personal as well as peripheral experience in successful people. And a good percentage of successful people knew their mission in life or knew what they wanted to do before they became a teenager and started doing it and kept at it because they realized not only did it interest them, but they enjoyed doing it. And, and that's a huge key in being successful in enjoying what you do. It's a statistical fact that 80% of the workforce, at least in the United States, is not happy with their career and wants to be doing something else. I use the simplistic example of a waiter in a restaurant who really wants to be an actor or a bartender who's studying you know, to be a lawyer, a doctor, or an accountant. 80% of our workforce is not happy in what they're doing because they have a desire and hopefully a goal and a plan to do something else. You ask, uh, you know, people that, that ask themselves, why am I here? What is this all about? I would submit to you that a majority of these people, and I don't know, I'm speculating here, don't have a plan. They are not on a road to what they consider to be a successful life. And by the way, success is not determined by the amount of money you have in the bank. Success, in my opinion, is determined by what you want to do with your life. And do you have the resources? Not only money, not only the team, but a support group to achieve whatever your goals are. That to me is success. And someone who is successful, they're not gonna be asking themselves on a daily basis, what is this all about? They're gonna be asking, what do I need to do today 
to further achieve success? I hope that answers your question. Yes, thank you. And and we can label it. It's called an existential crisis. I mean, people, especially the younger people, let's say in high school or college, you know, report having these kind of thoughts more often than the later generations. And I guess it's a no, it's normal to a certain extent. I just hope that for with each existential existential crisis, there is an awakening of okay, I have to figure out why I'm here. No one's going to come and spoon feed me what the answer is. I need to figure out this life for myself and I can't wait to do it. Steve, let me ask you a question. Do you think that the threat of spending an eternity in hell has greatly reduced the amount of evil doings in the world? No, it's the threat of uh, capital punishment or being put in jail. Um, no, I, I, I clearly do not. But for believers of God and, and believers of heaven and hell, surely somebody must have not done something wrong to make sure they don't go to hell. Yeah, but th- that statement in and of itself is completely untrue. And I'll give you the example of the people uh, that uh, hijacked the planes and uh, uh, flew them uh, into uh, the Twin Towers. In my mind, and I hope you and your audience agree, that was an evil doing. Yet they did that because they were going to spend uh, eternity with, what, 79 virgins? Yes, that was their, that was their manipulation or, or brainwashing of thinking that that's their heaven. That was the key to get... But, that, but that's, that's their teachings with their God, okay? And they did that presumably because it was a good thing for God, not an evil thing. And like I said, I, I would hope everybody listening to this and you acknowledge flying planes into the Twin Towers was an evil thing. So there you go. If there is somebody, if there's somebody that believes in God, believes in heaven or hell and hell, and they want, they, they have hate in their heart, they, they want to murder someone, but the threat of going to hell when they die is just too much to bear and they don't commit that murder. Do you see something like that happening? I say, let's just, uh, let's just kill them now before they have the chance to do it. I've always said that um, if someone has put on social media that they want to shoot up a school, that they want to commit a mass murder, and they plan to do it, they write their manifesto, kill them now. Let's not give them the opportunity. That's what I say. So you don't think that the threat of going to hell is a real manipulating way of people from doing I don't believe I don't believe in hell. I was raised Jewish. I believed in God for over 30 years. And and, and in the Jewish religion, there is no hell. It doesn't exist in the Jewish religion. I don't believe it exists in the Christian religion either. But you would know more about that. I do know it, it, it exists in the Catholic religion. Right. I was born and raised Catholic and hell is, I was raised to believe that hell is an actual place where you go if you, if you sin. 
but it does not exist in the Christian religion. Is that correct? Or am I mistaken? I have to look it up. <laughs> I believe there is something in the Bible that says, if you do not, be- if Jesus says, supposedly, if you do not believe in me, you're not getting into heaven. So as long as you are a good Christian and you believe in Jesus, you're not going to hell no matter what, as long as you confess your sins and you say that what I did was wrong, you're not going to hell, right? I am not a man of God. Again, the, the question was kind of simple. It was, does, oh, the, does the threat not... I answered it. I answered it. No, it doesn't. The, the threat of going to hell does not deter, deter anybody from doing anything. Pardon me. The threat of going to hell, in my opinion, does not deter most evildoers from doing the evil deeds they plan on doing. I thought I answered it, but sorry. Okay. No, no. Let me pick up on that. You said most evildoers. I do my best never to use the words uh, always and never or so, all and none. So you would know, you I, con- I, I try to use most. Yeah. So would you concede that there may be one or two people that? Yes. Might- uh, yes. I concede there are one or two people that think or do anything. Yes, I do. What advice would you give to people that always question, does God exist, right? They, they, uh, well, let's take me, for example. I am a, a very strong man of science. Um, I believe that, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. I believe that Earth was created out of, out of the matter that came from the Big Bang. I do believe that because of chance, that the first organism did appear on earth. However, that chance of both of those things happening are astronomical, right? They're one in a trillion, 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 trillion. What things? What things? Uh, For life to have started on earth, the chance of it happening, it's like winning a lottery ticket like a trillion times in a row. It's crazy to think of the chances of it happening. And so... Yeah, I, I, I would say it's probably about one in a couple of hundred billion. It's actually a trillion, trillion, trillion. It, it's, really? it, okay. it's pretty out there. And so even as a man of science, I would postulate that, hey, it's okay to put God at the, at the start of the Big Bang. It's okay to put God at the start of, you know, mm-hmm. having the first organism appear but does God exist? You know, and for people that keep asking themselves this question, as an atheist, do you have any advice to help along the, their thinking? Well, p- put a check by that question. I want to go back to something that you said, a trillion, trillion, trillion. So believing in science as you do, you don't believe that every galaxy has a Goldilocks zone. Do you know what a Goldilocks zone is? No. A Goldilocks zone refers to where the chances are most likely that a planet will have life. The Goldilocks zone is uh, thought of and was developed based on the way our solar system is arranged, that we have life on Earth. We're 90 million miles <coughs> excuse me, from the sun. There all science indicates that at all probability there was life on Mars, which is 120 million miles, I think, 
from the sun and potentially we have Venus. So the Goldilocks zone is considered like 60 to 120 million miles from the sun. So science presumes that because there are a couple of hundred billion, 200 billion planets in our galaxy, and we have one form of life, which is here on Earth, and science also says that there are about 200 billion galaxies in the universe, that every galaxy should have a Goldilocks zone where Earth, where life has the greatest chance of developing, which is why I suggested to you when you talked about life, uh, one in 200 billion, but obvious, you said it's one in a trillion, trillion, trillion. So there you go. That's why I said that. And that's the Goldilocks. Up. Okay. Now I asked you to put a check by your question. So ask me your question again. What would you say to somebody that continues to ask, well, does God exist? Does God exist? I would say, keep, keep doing your research, keep educating yourself and have an open mind. And then I would also say, believe it or not, you're going to be surprised. Use all the tools that God gave you to make your own educated, common sense decision. Listen to what other people say. Incorporate that information into your education and teachings. But make your own decision regardless of what other people might think. That's what I would say. All right, Steve. And last question for the podcast. Wow, this went by awfully fast. Yeah. And this one is more of a situational question. And so I'm going to pose a a story, but a situation to you and then go ahead and respond. It has to do with whether coincidences are coincidences or is there something extra? So let's say that there is a girl and she's very attached to her grandmother and her grandmother loves butterflies, loves butterflies, loves butterflies, has butterflies in her home and, and wears a bracelet with a butterfly. Okay. The grandmother passes away. And so the girl is walking in a park and a butterfly flies by, maybe lands on her, her lap. Okay. She walks. Actually happened at, that actually happened at the start of Forrest Gump, the movie Forrest Gump, but please continue. Okay. And then she goes home. She walks out into her garden, sees a butterfly, not a butterfly garden, just a random butterfly coming up to her. She sees a third, a fourth butterfly. And this happens, let's say, between one to four days. Let's say every day she sees a butterfly. Before this, nothing. Let's say after the fourth or fifth time, nothing. Now, is it possible? I know your answer, but I want to hear it anyway. Is it possible that the grandmother was sending her some type of signal? Well, yes, I, and even though you know the answer, the listeners don't, and that is that, quote, anything's possible, close quote. 
Um, so anything's possible. Uh, that's my answer. Oh, okay. Uh, Steve, I want to thank you for coming on to my podcast. I really, really appreciate it. How can people find you, your work and your podcast? Thank you very much for asking. Uh, once again, uh, mancavepodcasting.com is my empire. We've got over 600 shows in the tank. They're completely free, no obligation. Just click on it. We're available to you 24 seven. If you want to do your own podcast, mancavepodcasting.com will manage, produce, direct, stream it live, get it into the cloud forever. And then of course on clubhouse, you can always find me on Saturday uh, 7 to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time doing Ask the Rhino, and that is Republican in name only. And then the show, which is really starting to take off. And thank you very much for asking me to be on here on Sunday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time is Ask the Atheist. The title of this episode is Ask the Atheist with Steve Appel. And that will do it for this episode of the Life Teacher Podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye, everybody.